Birds, Patient and Public Engagement podcasts. Hello and welcome to this podcast about fatigue. My name is Mel Brook and I'm the Patient and Public Engagement Programme Director for BIRD. In this episode, I'm talking with Sandy Derham, who is a rheumatology, occupational therapist and clinical specialist at the Royal National Hospital for Rheumatic Diseases in Bath. Many people will relate to the issues that fatigue can bring and unfortunately many people with rheumatic conditions do suffer from fatigue. It's often a hidden symptom, something that other people can't see and it can have quite a lot of impact on your day-to-day living. So in this podcast, Sandy shares with us some general advice and some really good tips for helping you to self-manage this debilitating and invisible condition. Hello Sandy, thank you for joining me today to do this podcast on fatigue and how we might manage it. Hello and it's nice to be here. So before we start, can we just have a little um, introduction to your role and what you do as an occupational therapist in the therapies department up at the RNHRD? So as you've said, I'm an occupational therapist. I work as part of a multidisciplinary team, which means lots of different healthcare professionals um, within the rheumatology therapy team. So I work alongside um, physiotherapists, podiatrists and and dieticians, um, as well as obviously nursing colleagues and um, medical colleagues. And in terms of occupational therapy, we are very much looking at working with the patient as an individual to really um, optimise on all the activities of daily living, whether they're work, leisure, social health and well-being, all of those activities of daily living to support them to manage their long term condition, whatever that may be as best they are able and that will be different for different people so in terms of our our treatments it can include things like working with people so that they feel more able to look after their joints if they have poorly joints it could be giving them hand exercises it could be providing them with splints or supports to help with their hands it could be looking at fatigue management it could be looking at sleep management Um, It could be looking at at what we call activities of daily living, so the more functional side of of life in terms of how people are managing, do they need a bit of equipment, do they need to to modify what they're doing, so activity modification in order to manage as, as, as well as they can manage. Mm, and all those things are super important, like you said, in terms of daily life, because you can't always just medicate something away you have to make changes and adaptations to the ways you do things for instance so I think having someone on hand or someone potentially that you could go and talk to about that someone who knows what's available is a really important part of the care for someone Uh, absolutely and it's all that looking at that bigger picture so it's part Mm. of that that broader picture of care and and people need all of the different interventions by different healthcare professionals mm. in order to, to live well with uh, a long-term condition. Yeah, I totally agree. So we're going to focus down a little bit on fatigue and 
I think people who have fatigue get a little bit frustrated trying to explain to other people sometimes that it's not just a bit of tiredness, is it? It's really debilitating. How would you describe it, Sandy? So you're absolutely right. Fatigue isn't just a little bit of, of tiredness. It's it's more than that. And certainly for people that have fatigue as part of a long-term con- condition, it can be one of the most difficult things and the most frustrating things to manage. Mm. Uh, people quite often describe it as though it feel, they feel as though their batteries have been pulled out and they just can't seem to get the impetus to get the activities done that they want to get done. And it can really affect all of the, the activities of daily living. So work, leisure, social, family activities. I think in terms of, of kind of impact, it's probably one of the most hidden symptoms, I would say, within um, long-term conditions because you can't really see fatigue. Mm. People find it very difficult to describe unless you have personally experienced fatigue. I think it's very difficult to, to truly understand mm. how debilitating it can be. Absolutely. And it can be quite sudden, can't it? That's another thing that's really hard to get across to people is that you can look as or you can feel as if you're doing okay. And then it's, it's all of a sudden that you just get this wave of fatigue and that's it, energy gone. Like you said, the batteries are pulled out, but it's not always a slow onset. Sometimes it can be quite a sudden thing. Yeah, certainly. And and people describe two, two different levels of fatigue. They can describe that background fatigue where it becomes very familiar to them and they think I can I can manage through this but as you say they can get be hit by a sudden wave of fatigue what we would almost call a a crash where you you have no choice you have to sit you have to rest you have to 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 put put off whatever you were planning on doing in order to to wait until that that fatigue has, has dropped down to a more manageable level and that can be incredibly frustrating, particularly as it's so unpredictable. Yeah, I totally agree. It makes planning or feeling confident about planning really, really difficult. Absolutely. Mm. So when you talk, we talk about the, the other kinds of symptoms that people or what we associate with fatigue, what would you say those are? So people will describe lots of symptoms, but particularly um, physical and mental tiredness. So in terms of physical, it can be flu-like symptoms. The body and limbs can feel quite heavy. Some people describe it as though they're walking through treacle, that that sort of level of tiredness. Mm. People get muscle fatigue and particularly, um, I think, if people have um, fibromyalgia mm. and, and they can feel as though they're not strong. Um, when they're trying to do different tasks so their muscles perhaps tire more easily with everyday tasks like opening a car door lifting a kettle doing a, um, a sort of domestic shop I think in terms of sort of the mental tiredness the mental fatigue people describe difficulties with memory concentration paying attention to tasks they'll describe word lapses so word confusions and quite often, if they try and do lots of tasks at once, that becomes problematic and they can become quite easily distracted. And then it, it takes time just to pick up the thread of, of what you were doing and, and, and where you were going. Mm. So periods of intense sort of concentration can actually be really, really tiring as well, can't they? They can exhaust you. 
Exactly. And I think people are quite familiar with the physical side of fatigue. Mm. But I think perhaps that mental fatigue where you might be have been sitting working at a computer, um, get up at the end of the day or at the end of an hour and think, oh, I'm absolutely exhausted, but I haven't done anything. And yes, you haven't done anything particularly physical in terms of moving around, but mentally you've been working extremely hard and that can be just as fatiguing. Yeah. Do you think people recognize it themselves? I mean, it can take quite a while to come to terms, I think, with the fact that you do suffer with fatigue. Do you think people try and brush it under the carpet and just think, oh, today's a bad day and not see it as as part of their long-term condition? Absolutely. And I think uh, fatigue is something that, um, as you say, can, can creep up on you quite slowly or can happen quite suddenly. Um, but because it fluctuates so much, I think quite often people will say, oh, it will be better tomorrow. So don't tend to seek help and, and don't realise how long they, they, they're in that sort of what we call boom bust cycle where they're either able to do and then suddenly not able to do because their fatigue has, has got to an unmanageable level. Um, and I think also because it's an invisible condition, I think sometimes people don't maybe don't appreciate that there is uh, treatment for fatigue. So maybe they're not seeking it out because they don't, they don't think there's anything that can be done. Mm. And when we say treatment, we're not specifically talking about medications, are we? We're talking about management. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about um, managing fatigue on a, on a more long-term basis. Mm. Do you think it can affect someone's confidence as well over time? I mean, particularly when it comes to things like, work and if you if you have the kind of fatigue that creates the brain fog scenario where you just suddenly lose your concentration do you think it can start to kind of erode people's confidence in their ability to do a job absolutely and I think that's again where the uh, you could be physically tired but it's that it's that mental fatigue that mental tiredness and and particularly where you have the word lapses and confusions where your short-term memory you find you're, you're you can be quite forgetful and you feel that maybe you're not as as maybe mentally agile as as your colleagues because of fatigue that can can knock your confidence in in the fact that you feel as though you're constantly playing catch up and it's very difficult to overcome that, particularly when um, fatigue can fluctuate. So some days you, you may be absolutely fine and yet others really struggling. Mm. And, And I think people are also very worried with fatigue about their presenteeism at work, because again, because it is so variable, they don't want to let people down. Mm -hmm. Um, So their confidence is knocked in the fact that they may be having to phone in a bit more often than than maybe other colleagues to say that they can't manage work today because of fatigue or because of their long-term condition. Mm. So it's creating all kinds of anxieties, isn't it? I mean, do you think that people also before they recognize it as fatigue kind of in the background of their minds they might be worrying that there's something really seriously wrong with them you know another medical condition do you think that's something that happens absolutely and i think because you're feeling not as well as as you know you you can be then quite naturally people will want to seek answers to this ongoing feeling of of absolute tiredness that that sort of physical fatigue that mental tiredness so they will look online and obviously there are an awful lot of long-term conditions 
that do have a symptom of fatigue. So it's not just the rheumatological conditions. It can be neurological conditions. It can be um, cancers. Mm. Um, so all of those. And, and, and naturally, people will be very worried. And again, with the cognitive side, people may think, oh, because I can't remember stuff, maybe I'm getting early onset dementia. And that can be really worrying. Mm. When in actual fact... It's, it is a symptom of enduring fatigue. Mm. And I think that's why having information like this and think something people can listen to and then recognise that this is probably part of their condition is also a really important part of doing a podcast like this or doing it at events when we do. Yeah, absolutely. So if we move on to how occupational therapists can help people with fatigue, what are the kinds of things that that you can do to advise and help people navigate this? So in terms of fatigue management, um, we very much work with people on an individual basis because everybody's social circumstances and fatigue levels are different. And it's very much unpicking what could be potentially contributing to that ongoing boom-bust process with fatigue. And by boom-bust, I mean feeling well and able to do tasks followed by um, a period where you're you don't have a choice but you have to rest because you've overdone it mm -hmm. you've pushed past the levels where really you should have stopped mm. um, so so that's what I call by boom boom and bust so we'd very much use an activity diary we'd, we'd ask people to fill in an activity diary which is basically a record of their energy usage over at least a week and that includes um, day and night time, because quite often disturbed sleep is a big part of fatigue management and a big contributor to fatigue. Mm -hmm. um, so we need to take that into account. And then we work individually with, with patients to, to unpick that activity diary in terms of are there any patterns to your fatigue? Are there certain times of the day when, when actually you have a crash or does all of your week look like it's using lots of high energy activities in, and, and where are your rests within that? Are you getting enough of them? Are you getting enough sleep? Are you, you taking a break regularly or is it go, go, go all of the time? So all of that gives us a really good baseline um, on which to work. And, and is this an actual diary, Sandy, or is this something, is this people kind of keeping a notebook record themselves? No, this is an actual diary. So, so it's very basic and it's taken from children's chronic fatigue services. Uh, it, it's a, basically a grid and the week is broken up into to seven days and each day is broken up into hourly segments. Right. So morning through to noon, noon through to, to late at night. And then what we ask people to do is colour in the hour boxes according to whether they were using high energy activity, which we colour red. Mm -hmm. lower energy activity which we color yellow rest which is is green so were they resting or blue is sleep and from that we get a real patchwork quilt that, that i think that's the, the phrase i tend to use mm. of all the different colors throughout the week and that gives us a really good idea about where the the energy usage is and the pressure points as well yeah 
Oh, I love a bit of um, a kind of a visual aid like that. It's a really good tool, isn't it? Because you're going to look at it and if everything's red on the page, you know instantly that there's some changes that you need to make there. Yeah. And I mean, certainly activity diaries are you are quite commonly used mm. um, ac- across rheumatology services and other services as well. Um, as I say, it's good for analysis in terms of where people are at, but also it's useful for people to stick up as well mm. so that family members can see what the, their energy levels are like too. Mm, definitely. Is it something they can just have a copy of to use themselves every now and again to kind of recheck on where they are with all of this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would certainly say don't do an activity diary really regularly mm. um, because it may not show huge differences in change. Mm. So, so I would do an activity diary as a baseline yeah, and then repeat it if there have been any major changes in your life or any major changes in your levels of fatigue so that so you've got something to compare against. Yeah, because people like to use all of these kinds of things as part of a self management thing when they're not in a clinic setting so it's always worth asking that question but it's good advice to know not to do it too often is what you're saying really isn't it yeah I mean I think it becomes if you have 12 months worth of an activity diary that you've completed it's going to become less meaningful Mm. than if you have an activity diary maybe two three four times over 12 months if needed um, because you can really see differences then yeah, it's good advice. Thank you. And something else I've heard, and I, I know you talk about this quite a lot, is pacing. I wondered if you could run through what pacing is and how people can use that as a self-management technique. So pacing is really one technique that can be useful, not for everybody, but can be useful for, for helping manage periods when you're very fatigued but also it's more effective if you use it in the long term. So it's a bit like making a healthy eating choice or choosing to to exercise regularly. It's something that works best in the longer term. Mm -hmm. Pacing itself in a nutshell is looking at balancing activity and rest so that rather than falling into what we call that boom bust pattern where you you think of all the things you've got to do, you try and do as much as you can, you run out of energy, your pain spikes up, and then you have to have an enforced rest. And all of that time you're resting, you're thinking, oh, I've got to get on and do, there's all this stuff piling up. So you get very stressed. As soon as you feel slightly better with a bit of energy, you're off again, trying to catch up. And it doesn't take long before you're back down in that enforced rest phase. So that boom bust pattern it is almost cause and effect. If you do too much, you're going to force a crash. Mm-hmm. So pacing is about evening out those booms and those busts. It's about continuing to do, but not to the point where you run out of energy and then you 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 can't do anything. You, the choice is taken away from you. It's about doing enough, resting regularly, and then doing a bit more. So actually, over the course of a day, a week, an hour it will be different for different people you find you have more control because you you stop before you run totally out of energy it then allows your body a chance to recover with a bit of a rest before you can do a bit more but you're not using all of your energy in one go 
Mm. It is quite a hard thing, I think, to implement sometimes because there are circumstances that come up in your working week or in your you know, social life, like say going away for a big wedding where a boom bust cycle can't be avoided, but it's always worth keeping this whole planning and prioritizing thought in the back of your mind. I mean, I'll go into what I call the four P's of pacing, but absolutely life goes on and and life is for living as well. I'm very pragmatic about that. Mm -hmm. And I think there are times when you are going to boom and bust and you know that, and it's for a, a definite reason, but as long as that is the exception rather than every single day, Mm. then that's absolutely fine. And if you know in advance that you've got a period where you are going to boom and bust, you can plan ahead a bit mm. and hopefully offset that slightly. Yes, I agree. So so what are the four P's, Sandy? So in terms of pacing, there's problem solving. So look at all your daily activities. Do you have a routine? Can you identify where maybe the the triggers are for that that boom and bust of energy usage is it the task itself or is it the way you approach it and can you actually make a change so decide whether it's something you personally can change or whether you need a bit of help to to do that Mm -hmm. Um, and I would certainly say with problem solving it's not something that necessarily you should always do on your own because quite often people will bring a different perspective Um, and give you something to to think about in terms of of managing your fatigue that maybe you'd not thought about. So definitely problem solve with other people because that's helpful. So that's one P. Mm -hmm. Second P is prioritize. So looking at your tasks, does that task need to be done today? Can I get somebody else to help me? Do I need to do it all or can I break it up? So very much, is it urgent or can I put it on hold for a bit? Planning is very much around, can I break that job down into different stages? So what do I need to do to carry out the job? Do I need equipment? Do I need time? Do I need space? Do I need another pair of hands? Do I need a bit of help? And what are the basic activities involved in each stage? Do I need to do a bit of walking? Do I need to do a bit of sitting? Do I need to do a bit of standing? Is there some thinking involved with that so so where are my energies going and can I spread those out a bit more evenly Mm -hmm. and in terms of pacing it's very much around planning ahead so you you set a realistic plan you're looking at spreading out that task so you plan in regular rest breaks so rest should be a planned task just as much as activity should be. It shouldn't be an added extra that you think, right, I've planned my day. Now, where do I put my rest in? It almost needs to be flip side around. These are the times I need to take a rest. What do I fit around those? Particularly if you're somebody that you know will cram the day from beginning to end without a rest. So that's one trick is to put the rest in first rather than as an optional extra afterwards. Avoid the trap of just five more minutes. I've set 20 minutes to do this task. Oh, I haven't quite finished it. Just five more minutes, just five more minutes and I can get this done and then I can have a rest. That turns into another 20 minutes and then you've really run out of energy by then. So be quite strict with yourself about, I need to take a a small rest now because it will pay dividends later. I can finish this task, but just not right now. 
so quite often people will say to me I have to do everything in the morning because I I'm really tired in the afternoon and I have no energy so I flip that that um, statement on its head and, and I say why do you think you have to rest in the afternoon is it because you are doing everything in the morning you're trying to cram everything in when you could spread it throughout the day and if you did spread it then you might have a bit of energy in hand at the end that makes it a pleasant end to the day rather than another day where you think, oh, I'm absolutely exhausted. I hope tomorrow will be better. So I think that's very much around pacing. It's all very sensible advice. I'm kind of smiling a bit to myself while you you were talking as well, because I know I do lots of these and I know I probably shouldn't. Um, But I think the essence of the message here is, is that that happens life's like that but if you can just bring yourself back it's just really made me relate to what you were saying in you know in in the daily life kind of way absolutely and I think there are lots more interesting things than pacing but but pacing allows you to do the interesting things oh that's a really good saying I like that and the other thing that you mentioned that I was hearing when you were talking through all of this kind of like pacing and self-management of fatigue is ask trying to get someone to help you asking someone to help you and it in i know that can be really really difficult as well because people are independent and if you've always used to be you know fairly able it's quite difficult to start asking for help but it's really worth learning to to do that isn't it and even if in small ways to start with and building up Again, it's a confidence, I suppose, with with asking people to help. Yeah, and and certainly I discuss this a lot with with people that really grapple with managing fatigue and 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 living well with fatigue, and and quite often individually they they want to to do as much as they can. They're really wanting to live as independently as possible and do. But equally, there are times when actually, because of their fatigue, they do need a bit of help. And it comes hard mm. to ask for that. But equally, it comes as hard to accept help that's offered. Mm. So quite often I say to people, well, that help wouldn't be offered if it wasn't genuinely meant. So surprise people. Say yeah. yes and see how you feel. Yeah, see if it works. So what are some kind of like really simple good tips for managing on a day-to-day basis so managing on a day-to-day basis it's very much about what your day is like but equally it's about checking in with how your sleep is and certainly I've talked about sleep and and you know how to get good quality sleep or to optimize your sleep and sleep is really linked with with fatigue so don't forget the value of good sleep and I should mention at this point that we are doing a whole podcast on sleep so that's probably something people want to listen to in addition to this one absolutely in terms of diet look at your sort of dietary choices caffeine will get you through the day but it's not good news for good quality sleep and certainly if you you have a cup of tea with a bit of sugar in you're going to get those those um sort of sugar lows those blood sugar crashes which can be really debilitating in terms of energy levels Mm -hmm. Um, so you can boom and bust with that and again alcohol it affects your sleep which in turn affects your fatigue exercise we do know is really important and quite often people will say to me well I'm really fatigued and you're asking me to to exercise on top of 
um, a life where my my batteries are already quite empty. Mm. It's about exercise um, in a paced way. So it's about fitting exercise in, not as an optional extra, but actually as part of of all the things that you would do throughout the day. And it may well be a compromise. Mm. May well have to trade exercise with something else. But what we do know from feedback is that that people that have started to exercise and, and really on quite a modest level have reported that they feel better within themselves mood wise. But they've also noticed that because they're a little bit stronger, the functional tasks are a little bit easier to do because they have that muscle strength there to do them. But also from a mental point of view, that mental fatigue, it does improve. So they feel a bit more alert. So there are reasons to exercise. And building your stamina, isn't it, as well? Your kind of overall stamina for coping. Absolutely. And I'm quite pragmatic. I know with diet and exercise and sleep, these things wax and wane. Mm-hmm. But but if you are having a, a flare of fatigue, do look at those big three, because it may be that something that you thought was okay and you were managing all right has just slipped a little bit and it might just need fine tuning. Mm-hmm. I think the other things to think about is medicines. So if you are on any medicines and they've not been reviewed for, for quite a long time, then it is worth maybe just having a review. That doesn't have to always be with a GP or a consultant. Your pharmacist is a really good resource for explaining medicines to you. So it may just be a check-in with them. And, and really, it's just looking at lifestyle as well. So work, family life, social life, has that balance got a bit out of kilter? Do I need to look at that? Mm. And we mentioned before, I mean, something's not always in our control, but it's good to think about the tactics that we might be able to build up to manage, isn't it? Absolutely. Recognise the things that, that you can't manage and concentrate your energies on the things that you can. Brilliant. So there obviously are other things that, that can also help with managing fatigue. So it's not just one thing. It's not one size fits all. So planning and pacing activities comes into it. And I've talked a little bit about that earlier. Mm-hmm. If you find that uh, you don't know where to start, then actually goal setting can be a really good way to break things down. So pick one thing, set a goal that, that's, that's realistic for you, start off with that one thing and then move on from there. So and if you review that regularly, then that can be a really good stepping stone. As one lady said to me, everybody can climb Everest. They just do it one step at a time. <laughs> I like that as well. Yeah. Um, always be aware of of sort of your emotional health as well, because that has a really big part to play in terms of fatigue management. So what's your mood like? Is is it lower? Is anxiety or is a stress levels high? Because that can perpetuate, that can prolong periods where you, you can feel quite fatigued. And if they are at levels where you think, actually, this is this is having a real impact on me, then seek help. So there are talking therapies for the mood and for anxiety um, and certainly for stress management as well. Um, so do you think about that? Mm-hmm. And I think certainly the last thing is a big thing is communication. So talk to other people. Don't bottle up your, your fatigue. Don't think you have to manage it all on your own. So talk to family, talk to friends. If there's um, if work can help, if you've got, you know, if you've got an open relationship with with work, be quite open about 
you know, how they can help in terms of fatigue management. And also it's about saying no to things sometimes. So Mm -hmm. rather than taking on lots and lots of extra, it's about learning to say, these are my boundaries or these are my um, boundaries for now. I can take this on, but I might just have to put that on hold and be really quite clear with, with everybody about that so that you don't feel guilty with taking lots of stuff on and then worrying about how you're going to finish all of those things. Mm. It's difficult, especially if you're kind of a people pleaser type personality, isn't it, to, to say no, but I think it's worth, again, practicing in a yep. small way. Yeah, learning to say no. So weighing up the cost of doing the task with the after effects. Mm. The other thing that I, I heard you mention there when you were talking or thought about when you were mentioning communication was this is where peer support can really help, you know, yeah. talking to other people and sharing that experience of fatigue and how you manage it and actually just having someone else who totally understands where you're coming from. I think that can be a really undervalued source of support at times. Absolutely. And I think it's it's finding the right person or the right group of people that you feel empowered by and uplifted with meeting with meeting them and as one um one individual said to me i know that i can make changes with fatigue but there are some things that i may not be able to change and sometimes all i need is once a month somewhere where i can go and offload all of my frustrations around fatigue with people that understand Mm. but not in a negative way it's just sharing it and sharing managing tips because that makes me feel an awful lot better and it keeps me going yeah I totally agree just being able to say it say it in a room full of people who totally understand it it's I don't know just can really make a difference yep there's some really good tips that you've shared with us today thank you Sandy pleasure and I think um the other thing is don't um underestimate the value of if you can get onto the the internet is looking at for top tips in managing fatigue online unfortunately there's going to be no magic blanket or no special pill that is going to take your fatigue away but actually there's some really good advice around self-management in terms of planning pacing managing your your emotional needs managing sleep that can really get you on a a good steady track in terms of of fatigue management. Yeah, it's worth looking for, isn't it? Mm, Absolutely. It depends where you're at on your journey. Yeah, I agree. People need to find what works best for them in a way that is going to help them manage their fatigue to the best of their ability. Mm, And sometimes it's just accepting that you do need to manage it. Yes. Yeah, you can't keep brushing it under the carpet um, and hoping it will disappear because sadly it, it, it very rarely does, but it can be managed well. Absolutely. Many thanks to Sandy for sharing her insights and her experiences on how to manage fatigue with us from a professional point of view. And if you haven't already done so, it may be worth you listening to our podcast on sleep. We hope they'll both help you to get the best out of your day. We'd like to thank all our sponsors who have helped support the making of these podcasts, including Healthwatch Bath and North East Somerset, the Hospital Saturday Fund, 
and UCB. Time for a quick cuppa and a stretch. While you've got the kettle on, I'd like to just mention our new text and donate service that will help us to fund these podcasts. All you'd need to do is text BIRD to 70460 to donate £5. This costs £5 plus a standard rate message. Thanks for your support.